Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Today we are debating whether or not morality can be objective, and we are starting right now. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for this epic debate. This is a, a huge one. People are like, oh, snap, I can't wait to see that. So I'm one of them. Believe me, it's been the highlight of my day. I'm looking forward to during my sad and boring day. But this is going to be a big one. We're changing things around. So I want to let you know right up front, both the speakers have their links in the description. So highly encourage you, if you enjoy their content, Go ahead and check it out. It's conveniently located down below. Also, if this is your first time here, consider hitting that subscribe button as we are trying to build an eclectic community of people from all walks of life, uh, Christian, atheist, Republican, Democrat, Jedi, and even Sith. So with that, we are going to get rolling pretty quick into the open discussion. Just want to let you know during the open discussion, if you have questions, just fire them into the live chat. I will try to scoop them out from the live chat into a pile. And then we'll read them during the quick Q&A at the end. So with that, gentlemen, pumped to have you here. And uh, these guys, they really need no introduction. Uh, Tom, I, I have to also say thank you to these guys. These guys have been on the channel a lot, and it's been just a blast to get to watch them. And so we appreciate them coming on. They have both helped the channel so much. Tom's been on it uh, for quite a while. I don't, can't remember how we crossed paths. I remember we had a debate on Pascal's wager, and uh, I destroyed Tom. You know, he's recovering, you know, but <laughs> we're glad we're glad to have him. I don't think you believe that, but uh, Stephen has, has been on a number of times as well, and I would say, Stephen, I mean, when I bring up YouTube debates, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, did you, did you get Destiny on? Like, if you think YouTube debates, Destiny is probably going to come to mind. So thrilled to have both of you guys here, and with that, uh, with those brief introductions, we're going to just turn it over. I guess we would say that given that, Tom, you're taking the affirmative, and we usually have the affirmative go first, if you want to make a case for why I'm under the impression that you not only believe that we can have objective moral values, that we indeed do. So, Tom, if you want to get the ball rolling, we'll let you explain exactly what your position is. Thanks for being here. Yeah, sure. So I am an atheist, and I believe in objective morality. I believe there are objective moral values like most philosophers, in fact, even though most philosophers are, in fact, atheists, like 70% or something, 50-something percent do believe in objective moral values, and I am one of them. Um, so just to start off, the definition of objective that I'm going with is just something that's true independent of opinion. So it's not it's something that exists and that's true, a part of the world, some like ontological thing, category, that is true regardless of what anyone's opinion about it is. And I believe that morality can be the same thing. Um... Essentially, it's kind of like uh, the triangle. A triangle, if you draw a triangle, it is objectively the case that the, as long as you draw it correctly, the angles will add up to 180 degrees. Even though triangles don't exist, this is just an objectively true fact about the nature of triangles. Or, for example, to steal, to steal the example of Nick Sotera from Twitter, there's no such thing as an inch or a foot, but the Empire State Building is objectively like 1,400 or 5,000 feet tall or whatever. 
So we can have objective facts that are emergent from other things. They don't need to be uh, specifically, they don't need to exist intrinsically. For example, it can be objectively the case that I am imagining an apple right now. Even though it's purely a part of my imagination, it's still objectively true that I'm imagining an apple. Morality can be the same, kind of like a triangle or an imaginary thing or an emergent property. For example, a flock of birds. There's not really a thing that is, in fact, a flock of birds, but it is objectively true that that flock of birds exists. So there can be emergent things or imaginary things or things like abstract objects like triangles that are objective, even though they don't intrinsically exist as a part of the world. And I believe morality can be argued to be the same kind of a thing, where it has properties, even if it doesn't necessarily exist. Do my turn? Much. You bet. Go for it. Um, I don't know how to make like a negative here, but I mean, I, I guess like um, we'll, we'll get into this in the free discussion, but <clears throat> I, I understand that there are kind of these broader categories that we could talk about. So things like triangles, inches, um, the ideas that we might have about things or groups of things. And we can say that even though the underlying facts or, or, or the things that these uh, categories explain might exist, um, e even though the, the group itself doesn't exist, the underlying things do, I don't think that that same type of analogy can be used to point towards like moral fact. Um, but, but I guess we'll hash that out in like the back and forth, which is mainly what I'm interested in. Yeah. But, uh, I, I guess like my primary contention is I don't think there is a such thing as moral fact. I don't think there's any way we can investigate it. I don't think there's any way we can observe it. Um, I don't think that any of these larger situations will reduce down to some sort of moral, to some sort of like fact of the world, the same way that like, even though a triangle is an idea, it doesn't technically exist like the idea of a triangle doesn't really um exist in the real world we can make measurements about triangles and then we can look at things in the real world and go like hey like this kind of like comports to what we would expect a triangle to be but i don't think we can do the same thing with moral fact and yeah you bet with that i guess we'll just uh let the uh conversation open on up um do you want to do you want to go through the examples i guess I, I think that's like the easiest way to to kind of work through i guess what our positions are Oh, I think you're on mute, Tom. Uh, let's see. Let me see if I accidentally... Definitely haven't muted you over on this side, Tom, if you can hear me. I think we might have temporarily lost Tom. That's the easiest debate I've ever... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, let's see. Right, uh, there oh, we are. Okay, we can hear you now. All right, yeah. Don't know what happened there. But all right, so yeah, um, the best evidence we have for morality is essentially moral intuition and moral progress. It's not really very good evidence, but it's essentially the only thing we've got. So if you take a particular example and imagine forcing someone to do some particular action and uh, oppose that to giving them the option to do action X or not action X, it is intuitively more immoral. The first case is intuitively immoral compared to the second case. It Wait, can you repeat like, that again? Forcing somebody to do sure, something no. versus... So if you just take any generic action X. If you force someone to do action X without their consent, mm -hmm. as opposed to giving them the option to do action X or not X, it is, intuitively seems like it's the case that the first one is more immoral than the second one. Um, okay. Do you, want, do you want... Can we start with this example then? <clears throat> sure. Um, so the first thing that you said that there is evidence for morality, and then you meant you you reference moral intuition and then moral progress. Um, I, I would argue that 
we're engaging in a form of kind of like begging the question. Like if you believe that moral intuition tends to align with say progressive American values today, then of course you would say that there's moral progress. Um, but there are a lot of other people with different meta-ethical views. So for instance, religious people that believe that morality is dictated by God that would disagree that we've made moral progress. Um, it, it seems that there is like a general kind of Western values um, agreement that we've made moral progress, um, that most people seem to agree that things like slavery probably aren't good, that giving women um, the right to vote and participate in the workplace is probably good. Um, but, but I think that when you start getting into less concrete issues, that, that you get a lot of um, debate on whether or not we've actually made moral progress as kind of like a society. When we talk about things, for instance, like gay rights or premarital sex or different types of freedom of speech or immigration or, or these kinds of issues. So um, I, I guess on the first thing, I, I don't know if I agree that like you, you can say that we are making moral progress without asking, well, what do you mean? Like, what are we progressing towards? Um, what, what does that mean other than you're just saying like, oh, well, I like where we are morally compared to where we were 100 years ago. How can you really say we're making moral progress? Right. So that would be the conclusion of my argument. I'm saying we're making moral progress towards this thing, which I call the best of all possible worlds, which would be a following argument from my initial one that would be essentially a world where everything is voluntary, including interactions with nature. So if you don't want to be confined by gravity, you can fly if you want to. Essentially, everybody gets their own world. You can do whatever you want with it. That's the best of all possible worlds. All interactions are voluntary. Why should we value something like things being voluntary? Why is that like a good thing over things not being voluntary? Right. So that would go back to my first example is that when we look at the giving someone the option to do action X as opposed to forcing them to do action X, it seems intuitively like it's the case that forcing them to do it is more immoral than giving them the option. So that is kind of the foundational bedrock of why we should value choice because intuitively given these two cases, it seems like it's moral. Um, okay. So there are two big things. Um, there are two big ways that I would kind of question this. Um, the first is that it doesn't always seem like giving somebody a choice is superior to not giving them a choice. Um, so for instance, in some cultures, we would argue that certain types of guns should always be banned or that um, people shouldn't be allowed to pollute in certain ways or that kids should have some level of autonomy removed from them. Um, how, how do you contend, I guess, with, with these issues where there are areas where we revoked autonomy for people or even like taxation? Um, where, where most people seem to see, say, like, it's okay to remove somebody's autonomy in that sense. Right. They're only pra pragmatic. They're always pragmatic limitations. Like, for example, where you're not free to just, like, go through a stop sign. You have to stop. We force you to stop at a stop sign because if you don't, you, you could crash into other people and people could lose their lives. But if we imagine, how do we get rid of all these pragmatic limitations to just see the pure, like, what is the moral system here? Mm -hmm. We'd have to go to, like, the best possible world. So let's imagine we each get our own world. We can do whatever we want with it, design it in any way we want. At this point, there's no pragmatic limitation. So if you don't want to stop at a stoplight, you don't have to. It's your world. No one is forcing to be there. You, you're alone if, or you can allow people in, but you can essentially do whatever you want. There are no pragmatic limitations in this world. You're essentially a god of your universe, at which point there's no reason to stop you from running a, from running a red light. You should, you could be able to do it. There's no reason not to do it. There's no reason to place limitations on you and say, no, you can't do this for some better reason because we are in the best of all possible worlds. And at that point, there isn't any pragmatic reason to stop people from doing this. And so you just, you're just left with it's obviously the case that giving someone the option is more moral than forcing them to do it in all cases. There's not a single case you can list given this best of all possible world where it would ever be the case that it would be better to force them to do it. Okay, so then, um, so you're essentially saying that, like, in the cases where we remove autonomy from somebody, we're doing it to protect kind of like the autonomy of another person? 
Right. We use it to protect from pragmatic limitations. Like we stop a child from going into the street because they could get run over. We stop someone mm-hmm. from sticking a fort blood because they can get shot or whatever. Sure. We don't let people have guns in some countries because you could use them to shoot people. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then, so then two other ways that I would question this is, um, are you familiar with the concept of like the paradox of choice? Sure. That um, so let, let's say that we were to run like a thousand psych experiments and somehow we could measure out like here is a world where you're given unlimited options and unlimited freedoms to do things. Here's another world where your life is much more restricted. Um, you you know, you have to go to school, you have to work this job, you have to do these things or whatever. Um, if we were to run tests like these and they showed that people that were restricted in the options that they had actually had like better outcomes insofar as we could measure some invisible H value for happiness inside a person's skull, if they were happier um, with more restrictions placed on their lives, would you still still say that the, um, the the voluntary option is is superior to the non-voluntary one or would you reject the hypothetical and say that this could never be the case or no i'd absolutely say the voluntary is option because you can take that option and say well you can go live in a world where your options are restricted and be happy here here's the numbers so you will be happier in this case than you would be in this case and you can now choose for yourself would you like to be in the world with options or would you like to be in the world with restricted options so we can still value voluntary systems would be better in that case because you just get to choose which one do you want Okay. So then to summarize, you would say like on, on a, um, if, if, if a non-voluntary world was better, you can go from a voluntary to a non-voluntary one, given the option, you obviously can't go from a non-voluntary to a voluntary one, right? Well, you'd, you'd be up to you. So for example, you could leave that option open to yourself to reverse mm-hmm. the decision where you say, no, I'm not going to, I'm just, this is going to be permanent. I'm just going for this. And that's my decision. Sure. Okay, cool. All right. So these were kind of like the, the basic things. So I think I understand that. Okay. So my main contention then, um, as a, so I think I think my position would be called like a non-cognitivism in terms of uh, my view on morality. So when you make a statement where you say, I prefer something, or, or I'm sorry, where you say, I think that something is right or wrong. So for instance, you say like having the ability to uh, voluntarily engage in some action is right versus non uh, involuntarily force something is generally wrong. So what I would say is a non-cognitivist is like what you're really telling me is something feels good or something doesn't feel good. So my, my challenge to you when, you, when you talk about like best of all possible worlds, what it sounds like to me is you're describing some state with that that seems like it would feel the best to you um which is like a descriptive fact right or, or normative fact or whatever like these things are the things that make me feel the best how do you make the jump from that statement to saying like this is a moral fact so these things feel the best to me therefore it must be like a, a moral feature of the world or whatever how do you make that jump right so moral intuition is essentially just this is what feels right so when we look at these situations the moral problems we say well this was what feels right to us kind of like if we feel something fuzzy it feels fuzzy but how do we prove it's objectively fuzzy well we could be in the matrix we can't prove it absolutely but we can use our sensations and feelings in order to make a judgment and then use that judgment to try and see well how does it feel to you how does it feel to you how does it feel to you and if we can get to some really uh, core similarities between our descriptions of how they feel. We can generalize that and say this is probably a description of reality and not just a description of our subjective interpretation. And I'm kind of doing that kind of thing. So I would argue that my description in the first example of giving someone the option to do X as opposed to forcing them to do X is intuitively more moral. And that seems to be like this is fuzzy and it all feels fuzzy to all of us pretty much. So it's, I would say those are an equal, equal layers of what we can call objective about reality. Sure. So I would agree with your statement that two people, so I imagine if we polled most of the earth, 99.99% of people would say they don't want to be tortured, right? So it seems that that you're calling it a moral intuition seems to be descriptive of reality. But like as a non-cognitivist, all I would say is, well, you have some biological entity that's expressing a preference not to have its like pain receptors triggered over and over and over again. What I'm trying to figure out is like, how can you make the jump from here are the preferences of a collection of people into saying, well, there is some underlying moral fact. 
Like I feel like I can describe almost everything you're saying with, with, with like we could program this. We could literally open a compiler, we could throw in a bunch of programming language and we could code for this. But it doesn't seem like I need like any kind of moral fact to do that. Well, how is that different from any kind of scientific fact? Because it's the same kind of a thing. We have a, well, we all experience this thing in this way and we can test it in certain ways, but we could always be in the matrix. It could always be false. We can always program for it in that way and assume it's always an expression of our biology or Descartes' evil demon or some kind of a delusion. So how is this any different from a scientific case and a moral case? Yeah, so the difference is, so I, so I'm not trying to play the ultimate skeptic case in regards to like 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 epistemic truth or something where I can question everything, more so that I don't believe we need moral fact to describe anything you're saying. And, and kind of like the difference is, is that I feel like for any given scientific thing, um, so let's say one of the examples that you brought up earlier were, was a triangle or a flock of birds, right? That for a triangle, we can um, posit some basic axioms about how math works, um, and then we can like define a triangle as such, um, you know, anything, a- any shape that has three edges with three different corners that add up to 180 degrees. And then we can take this and and given that we agree on the definitions, we can test this um, both in uh, in like the rational way, right? We can test it on paper and in like um, in an empirical way, we can look at it in real life. My problem with moral intuition is I don't know how you ever reconcile the differences between two people with different moral intuitions. Um, So for basic things, um, like a Sam Harris example, nobody likes acid being thrown in their face. Sure, that's pretty easy to reconcile. But for a harder thing like premarital sex, um, how do you reconcile two people's moral intuitions that are completely different on this point? Well, again, so I would say let's put it in the best of all possible worlds where everyone gets to design their own world and they get to choose whatever consequences they want. I mean, if you want to design your world in that way, go for it. And if they want to design the world a different way, go for it. I don't see a problem with either one. So I would say that that particular question is a subjective question you get to decide it but the objective similarity between the two is that it's up to you it should be in your world or in your your what affects you should be up to you and that's the part that's objective even if though their decision on whether or not premarital premarital sex is good or bad is subjective the control or the choice part is what's objective yeah but i guess like the the problem is that like um it, it, it seems like this argument becomes a little absurd, where, where um, if two people disagreed on mathematical fact, we would never say, well, listen, if you had your own world, you could describe whatever mathematical truths you wanted to. Um, but it seems like we're trying to do the same with, with morality here, like where we're saying, well, two people, like, is there any way for two people with different moral intuitions to, to reconcile their differences? Or do we just have to appeal that, well, if they could design their own world, they could do what they want? I don't know how that gets us to like a, like moral fact. Or if anything, it seems to say that there might not be like an underlying moral fact, and that's why we need the separate worlds for them to have their separate spaces? Or? Well, it's kind of like, take the triangle example. If you mm-hmm. draw a triangle, the angles always add up to 180 unless it's on a curved surface. And if it's on a curved surface, well, then they won't add up to 180 anymore. So you have to make some kind of a metric where you can uh, compare all the different triangles and say, well, here's how we know it's a triangle because they add up to 180 on a flat surface. So mm-hmm. my best of all possible worlds, that's the flat surface I'm comparing it to. Yeah, but again, like the pro- like I guess the problem with the triangle example is like we can talk about like a curved surface or a flat surface, but all of these changes can 100% be accounted for and argued and debated, and you can arrive at using um, using like um, like deductive argumentation. We can arrive at conclusions that should be universally agreed upon. I don't see us being able to argue moral intuition in the same way. Uh, how so? Because when I use the example of the best of all possible worlds, giving everyone the right to design the world as they want. That seems to be like something that we could all agree on is probably a good thing for the most part. And I think that the vast majority of people would agree with that. Uh, that yeah, I mean, like, 
I kind of agree, it, but I guess like it almost feels like kind of like we're begging the question a little bit. Like when we say best of all possible worlds and everybody gets to make the best of all possible worlds, well, of course, whatever world everybody makes is going to be the best of all possible worlds. I don't see how that statement like argues in favor or against anything. So the best of all possible worlds would be a place where everyone gets to design their own world. And their own personal world wouldn't be the best. The best is the one where we can all design our own world. Yeah, but I, I guess I just don't see how that gets us to any type of underlying moral fact like what if like for instance let's say we have the best of all possible worlds between 100 people let's say that all of them create a different world like doesn't that seem to show that then there is no underlying moral fact that everybody just has a different set of preferences and that's it there is no moral intuition isn't like honing in on some particular like morality isn't being discovered in the world it's just people just have a different set of preferences from one another well, there, again, there's still one similarity between all of those cases, which is the fact that they have the right to design their own world. And that is the one objective moral fact, is that the choice thing, you have the right to choose. That's the objective moral truth, the objective moral fact that we're looking for, is that the right to choose is the objective moral standard. What you choose is subjective. Choose whatever you want. It doesn't make a difference. The moral standard is the right to choose. Hmm. Okay. I mean, like, I guess I understand that. I just don't see how that, how you need like any, any sort of moral fact to describe that, that basically like people, like this could be stated from like an egoist perspective, like everybody has a preference for some given thing and then allowing people to express what preferences they would want fulfilled in some world. I, I, I just don't think, I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel like that's any type of, like, I need any moral fact to describe that. Like, well, I would say that would be a moral fact. You don't need a moral fact to describe it. I mean, you don't need objective facts about reality to describe reality. You can say, we live in the matrix, so none of this is objective. So you don't need an objective fact about that. I'm just arguing this would be a good candidate for an objective fact. I mean, I guess it could be, but we can't really point to the fact, right? Like, we're basically just saying that, like, well, all creatures have preferences. Would you, I guess, would you consider, is that like, is that the moral fact that creatures can prefer one thing over another? Like, that is like the moral fact? Well, no, I'd say the moral fact is having the right to choose is moral, and not having the right to choose is immoral. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, fuck, this might be a lot shorter. <laughs> um, I guess I, it, it doesn't... Um, I just don't see that, I guess, as like a, like a, like a moral thing, um, that, like, I, that you could basically have some creature that could prefer one state to another, and I can describe that, I guess, scientifically, I don't need morality to describe that at all. Just because a creature might have a preference for one thing over another, I don't think you need morality to, to make that statement at all. Right. You don't need morality, just like you don't need to describe reality in terms of particles. But the, you can. So again, I'm not saying you need morality. I'm making an argument for a morality. So I'm saying it would be better if we looked at morality in terms of everyone should have the right to choose. We can make, contrast our world to the best of all possible worlds and look at that and see, well, how can we get closer to that and give more people the right to choose? That seems like a better moral standard than any other moral standard that we could ever come up with. Yeah, but when you say like better, like better with respect to what? Like what makes people choosing um, versus not choosing? Like what makes it better? Like how, how do you decide what's better or not? Like what are you appealing to? Again, the first argument I had with you give a person option to do Action X as opposed to force them to do action X. It's always more moral to give them the option than to force them. Just because of like they, in, and, and if somebody intuitively disagrees with that, then you would say, well, if you can choose, then you can choose to disagree or you can choose to make a world where you would be more restricted or whatever is basically. Yeah, if you disagree, you can, you can make that choice and be in that world in how you prefer it. It would still fall into the same category because if you say whatever you do, you can always add, well, okay, we'll make that an option for you. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, fuck. Yeah, I don't know where to go. I mean, like, I guess I kind of, I guess I just, or I don't know, I guess if you want to push me at all, like, I, I just, I don't feel like that intuition, I, I don't feel like that's a moral fact. I feel like that's just like a, like a biological condition of, of creatures that we tend to want to make the best choices for ourselves or we tend to want to like maximize our own utility as creatures. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see there being any underlying moral fact r regarding that. These seem to just be basic descriptions or, or like normative statements of creatures. Oh, right. The intuition isn't a moral fact. It's just what we have access to. Kind of like vision. If we see an illusion or we see a picture of a painting, it could be an illusion or it could be the real thing. Our vision itself isn't objective in that sense. It's just giving us an inclination to try and make guesses as to what it is we're seeing. And so our intuition is the thing that we use to make guesses as to what it is we're seeing in the case of morality. And I'm arguing what we're seeing can be described in an objective sense by this underlying thing that seems to be similar in all cases in all moral descriptions as opposed to just an illusion like a uh, optical illusion when we see it with our eyes does that make yeah, sense but like if like where, where do, would you say like the, the morality is like an immaterial thing then that we're getting a glimpse of through our intuition or well, yeah i think it's like an abstract like a triangle okay but like wait you think it's i'm sorry you cut out for a second you think it's a what like a triangle abstract it's like an abstract idea the idea of the best of all possible worlds the ideal ideal like ideal triangle the perfect triangle okay you know there's no such thing as a triangle we can't like draw a perfect triangle because if you zoom in you're always going to get the bubble shapes of the electrons so it's impossible to draw a perfectly straight line but we can still imagine the thing of the perfectly straight triangle the perfectly perfect triangle so i'd say we can imagine the best of all possible worlds in the same sense it's kind of like an abstract object yeah well wait like so i agree with 100 percent what you just said there that triangles aren't actually like a feature of the world triangles don't really exist they're an idea constructed by humans right Right. But if you're comparing morality to that, isn't that like by definition, like an anti-realist position, morality isn't real. It's just things that we imagine. And our intuition is kind of sort of pointing us to like an agreement for what that imagined thing can be. Well, no, I would say that in the same way that triangles objectively, the angles add up to 180, that's still an objective fact about triangles, even though they don't exist. So we can say the same thing about morality and the morality has objective qualities to it, which can be described with what I was arguing. And in that sense, it's objective. Yeah. So but like best morality, like there is a perfect triangle. Yeah, but like in a, in a in like a really fundamental sense, like a, like a form of moral anti-realism called error theory would account for this. So like an error theorist might be a moral anti-realist as morality isn't real. However, if we assume that it's real, we can construct some rules about it. So for instance, given the idea that um, murder is immoral, um, we can say that if John murders Francine, that John has committed a, a, an immoral act, that that is objectively, deductively true, assuming that murder is immoral. But that that, that initial assumption, whatever axioms we build our, our ethical system off of, those are going to be like, like completely imaginary or immaterial or even arbitrary, I guess. Um, I guess like that, that feels like an anti-realist position to me more than, than, than like a moral realist position. Well, we could take it in that route and look at it like error theory and say it's already false, but we're just going to construct the model. But we can look at it the other way and say it's assume it's true, like an undiscovered law of nature or something, or platonic objects actually exist and there is this thing that we're describing. But I'm not taking a position on that specifically. It's kind of like uh, Newtonian mechanics, where he didn't describe what gravity was. He says, we have this experience of this thing, and I'm going to give a general description of what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I have no idea, but I can describe it. So I'm doing the same thing with morality. When we see and experience moral intuition and moral progress, I can describe that and try to make uh, 
a model to describe like a, a, an equation to express what this is that we're experiencing and to try and give us a glimpse of what it looks like, kind of like Newton did where he gave the Newtonian mechanics, even though he doesn't describe what it is. So I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm just saying, I don't know if morality truly exists or not. It could, like an undiscovered law of nature. It might not, like error theory. But I'm going to try and give the best description I can of these things that we experience, moral intuition and moral progress, to give a centralized goal of what that morality might be, regardless of whether or not it exists. Okay, so then essentially then you're, you're um, so going back, um, essentially then your definition of morality is that basically like um, people are given the opportunity to choose like the best of all possible worlds where best is defined as the things that give those people the most options to construct their world, basically. Am I closer? Well, best, the best of all possible worlds is where everyone has the right to choose. And what they choose isn't best or worse. It's just that's what they choose. So the gotcha. best part, the best is just the right to choose. You have the right to choose. If you don't have the right okay. to choose, that's not the best of all possible worlds. Sure. Um, okay. I mean, I guess I, I guess I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. Um, it just seems like a very unsatisfying way to define or defend the idea of like moral reality, I guess. Um, cause it, it, it feels to me like, um, I'm not saying you're doing this intentionally or maybe even that you're doing it, but it feels like we've almost swapped the idea that like people have preferences and they try to maximize said preferences that we've kind of swapped that and, and called that like a moral truth that like people want to be able to choose things. So it seems like it's probably a good thing. Like we kind of just like jump from the is to the ought there with no like description, like, well, it seems like people prefer things. So it's probably a good thing. And that's our moral fact. And then like, that seems to be it or am I missing? Uh, not exactly. So again, when we look at all the moral cases we can of what we consider moral progress and what we consider uh -huh. like the trolley problem and the, the fat guy trolley problem and the guy going into the hospital problem and giving up all his organs, if we look at all of those cases, they all have a similarity to them, which is this choice thing. It's always moral when it's a choice. It's always immoral when it's forced and against their will. And given the fact that this is a similarity in every single one of the problems and you can always get the, the right answer, if you use this property, it seems like this property could be objective, could be something that exists as a fundamental part of nature, undiscovered law of nature, if you want, or just an abstract description of the most relatable idea of morality that we have as humans. But either way, this does seem to be a defining characteristic that exists in our moral frameworks as human beings. Now, whether or not that's actually good or not it just seems to be the best thing that or the closest we can get to an actual description of what we are experiencing so you're saying that like choice is like a fundamental aspect of, of most moral questions or whatever yes isn't that i would say like, the aspect of every one of them sure but i mean isn't that kind of like tautological like isn't it by definition like don't we need like can you really have morality if agents don't have the ability to make a choice between one thing or another like isn't that kind of like foundational so like for instance we would never say or i, I maybe some people would but like a rock rolling off of a hill and landing on somebody's head we would never call that murder because the rock never made a choice right so well i would actually i would actually call that immoral i would say that that world is immoral compared to the best of all possible worlds because in the best of all possible worlds you would have the choice to have it not be affected by a falling on you. And since they don't have oh, sure, that choice, but yeah. by nature, that is that is itself would be an immorality. Sure, but 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 we wouldn't say that the rock itself is like acting in an immoral way by rolling down a hill, right? Right. right. Um, but it seems like to have a conversation about morality, it seems like we kind of have to be able to to make decisions. Otherwise, um, with no agency, people don't really consider. Like you, you you don't really have a conversation about morality, right? Well, I mean, if. I don't give you the option and I'm going to harm you. That's still an immoral action. So even though you don't have a choice, I have a choice in that case and I'm restricting your choices. So there can still be immorality if there isn't a choice in the victim's case. 
Well, well, but we don't measure morality by the victim, right? We're talking about the agent that's acting, right? When we analyze the morality of any particular person's action, um, in order to do that, it seems to be a prerequisite that they could have chosen something else. We typically wouldn't say that like, oh, well, this act is moral or immoral, even though you had no choice, right? Like even in law, we kind of like, if somebody's being forced to do something, for instance, we would say that, well, this is like a lesser punishment for something like this because they didn't really have a choice. It seems like choice is kind of like you need that in order to, to morally analyze somebody's anything, no? Well, I would, I would analyze it the other way. I think morality is dependent on the person who you're helping or hurting, not your particular action. So it's moral if you do something that helps someone to achieve their desires or wills, but it's immoral if you do something that harms them and prevents them from achieving their desires or wills. So I think that morality is contingent on the one you're affecting, not your particular actions. Like if you do an action that has no effect on anyone, it's not a moral action. It's just amoral. Um, I don't. I don't think... So let's say, for instance, um, let's say that I really hated my wife and I really wanted to kill her. And I decide that I'm going to go home one night. I'm going to take a gun and I'm just going to shoot her dead. I go home, open the bedroom, I peek in, and then I see her shape under the covers. And then I fire, you know, six shots of my pistol into the bed and then I run away. Um, let's say that she knew that I was going to try to kill her that night and she put a whole bunch of pillows underneath the bed sheets. Would you say that that action wasn't immoral because as a consequence somebody didn't get harmed or would you say that the action was immoral because the person was obviously going there with the intention to kill somebody and try to kill somebody? Well, I'd say the intentions were immoral, but the action itself was amoral. You didn't actually do anything. Okay, well, I, okay, I feel like we're getting in the weeds a little bit. So you would say that the intention of the action but not the action itself was immoral, right? Right. Yeah, because okay. you had the intention of restricting that person's freedoms or harming them in some way. Sure. And since it was, but it would still be contingent on the effect of the victim. Okay. So, but the but we but when we talk about morality, um, the intentionality. Um, wait, hold on. Let me back up. Let me just understand this for a second. So it sounds like when you're describing morality, you're using like some sort of almost like universal frame of reference. So, for instance, like if a, if a rock falls on somebody, you would say that's immoral because that person would have chosen something different. That that's why yeah, it's so if, yeah, so if they, it would have been better, morally better, if they had had the option to say, I would not like to be hit on the rock and have to walk just like pass through them like they're a ghost or whatever. That would be a morally superior option. And if the, in the best of all possible worlds, they would have that option. Since they didn't, they were being restricted by the way this world is, which is itself an immorality compared to the best of all possible worlds where they don't have that restriction. Gotcha. Because they have okay. the additional choice. <clears throat> so, okay, so. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I keep resetting your argument just to make sure I'm completely following it. So if I say anything you disagree, you can always stop me, right? Okay, so... Absolutely. Yeah, so you're essentially saying that... And, and when I say you're essentially saying, I'm just summarizing, so correct me if I'm wrong, right? So you're saying that um, the, the best of all possible worlds is constructed by people that have the freedom to choose exactly what they want, and that generally when we measure immorality, we're talking about things that restrict people's ability to make those decisions, to, to voluntarily do something. So like an immorality yes. would be something that takes away somebody's right to do something. And the way that we get there is we say that, or, or one of the ways that you show examples of this is that, um, is it intuitively, it feels good to say, that um, somebody ought to be able to make a choice over something versus having that decision taken away from them by somebody else. So whether that's murdering them and giving them not the ability to their lives or taking their shit or whatever, something like that, right? Right. Okay. So even, okay, so then stepping about a little bit more foundationally, why is it that just because we need to talk about choice, I guess, in order to make like, uh, in order to make moral decisions, right? We need to choose between A or B, which is like a voluntary thing. Why is the fact that we can express an idea or express like a, um, a preference towards like being able to choose things. Why does that mean 
that morality exists? Why, why can't that just be like a biological description of, of who we are? Why does that require, or I shouldn't say require, but like, why would you explain that using like a moral fact instead of a scientific one? Well, you could describe it in terms of like a scientific material fact that would still fit into my model because my model is, again, just saying based off of all the things we experience and all of the, the philosophical problems, when we look at these, here's the commonality. It's always about choice. Mm-hmm. You can't, you, like you said, you can't really talk about morality without choice. They're kind of ingrained. They're like the same thing. And yeah. I would say that's because they are the same thing. You need the choice. That is what makes morality moral. And I, you don't need to. Again, this is not a proof of moral morality. We have terrible evidence for objective morality. All we have is moral intuition and moral progress. It's terrible evidence. But when I look at it, uh, like when scientists looked at lightning and tried to explain it thousands of years ago, here is the best analysis I can come up with to give a description of what it might be. And it seems more plausible than any other description. So it's, it's, it's not, based on bad evidence, just moral intuition and moral progress. But when we look at these and we see the connections, it seems like there's only one similarity that exists in all of the examples, and it's the choice thing. And so it seems like if morality exists, if it's like an, an actual thing, like an undiscovered law of nature or grounded in the God or whatever you want to call it, the similarity and what makes it moral is this choice thing. This is the central idea of what morality fundamentally is, whether it's a real thing or just an error theory kind of construction. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying. It's just what you call morality, I would just say can be explained with like, I guess like descriptive facts of, of, of like people, of like biological organisms that given they experience some environments and given they have the opportunity to choose between different environments, they would tend to choose environments that give them like a better sensation. But yeah, but I guess like you, you would say that those choices, I guess, are moral ones or are, are there's some more moral fact that underlies those decisions. And I would just say like, that's just a biological reality of those creatures or do you. So let me go a little bit deeper into that. I would yeah, say that, that there are certain kinds of moral systems that are less moral than this system. I would say that my system that I'm presenting is objectively more moral or a better system than other systems that essentially impose restrictions on people like slavery or torture or whatever, anyone who says those are good, that moral system is objectively less moral than my moral system. But the only way that you get there is ultimately to appeal to some intuition you have, not anything that we can ever like write out or like objectively analyze in, in any way, size, shape, or form, right? Well, I would say that if we look at all of the philosophical problems and we use the different uh, moral models to try and solve all the philosophical problems, mm-hmm. you're going to get inconsistent where they're going to come up with the wrong answer, essentially the wrong answer, in certain cases where mine is always going to come up with the one that we see as probably the more moral outcome. So it seems like my moral system can answer all of the moral problems better, more accurately, and more consistently than any other system. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't disagree, but it feels like your moral system literally encompasses like every single possible outcome of reality. So like, so of course it would, right? So like, let's say for instance, like one guy were to argue that like my totalitarian state is the most moral state and another person were to argue my um, ultra, my direct democracy state is like the more moral state. Um, and then people were to go to you and say, like, well, what do you think using your morality? What would you evaluate as the better one? And you say, well, the one that gives you more freedom and then, or the, the more voluntary choices. And then the democratic guy would say like, oh, cool. Well, my system is better. And then you go, well, no, actually either one can be the best. Um, because you could choose the totalitarian state. Like it, it seems like almost vacuous to say that you could choose literally anything and as long as you have the ability to choose, it's moral. Well, right. When you're only talking about individuals in those cases, yes. But when you encompass multiple purposes, then no. So for example, the guy who creates the totalitarian state and the guy who creates the democratic state, that's perfectly fine, no morality here. But then you look at the other people. Like if I want to choose to go to one of those, either one's fine, it's not immoral either way. But if the totalitarian tries to force people to go into his, that's immoral. You can't do that. You can't force people into a totalitarian state. Now, if they voluntarily choose it, there's nothing immoral with that. 
going back to my original example, if you let people choose action X, even if it's to go to a totalitarian, totalitarian state, there's nothing wrong with them choosing to do it. If you force them to do it, that's wrong. So I have no problem with him creating a totalitarian state if that's what he wants, but he can't force anybody to go to it. That's where my model creates the distinction where it's not just allowing anything. It, it's only allowing anything that is consensual. It has to be How consensual you, for it. So in terms of like from an applied position, um, would you be like some sort of anarcho, like a, like a libertarian or what? Anarcho-capitalist? Uh, Noam Chomsky? Uh, no. So from my position to apply mm -hmm. this, we would just look at it kind of like a triangle. Like we can't draw a perfect triangle. It's impossible. Sure, of course. But we yeah. can, you can use the idea of a perfect triangle to get as close as possible. We get it like pretty close. So I would say we can use the idea of the best of all possible worlds, even if we can't achieve it, because it's totally impossible for us to create worlds for everyone. But we can look at say things like stoplights. Say it's immoral to stop to force people to use stoplights against their consent. So as soon as we all have self-driving cars and it's no longer a risk to not have them, we should get rid of them. We should give people the freedom to not have to stop at them when we no longer need them, when they no longer apply benefit, or to take animals. Like killing animals, I, I consider animals to be moral beings and killing them to be wrong. So once we no longer need that to survive, mm -hmm. I would say it's immoral to kill animals and we should stop killing animals because that moves us closer to the best of all possible worlds. So we use this as an abstract ideal and see, well, how can we give people the most freedom and most choice or any animals or any beings, the most freedom and most choice to get us closer to that ideal. And that's how we pragmatically apply it in this reality. Okay. Okay. I'm kind of curious. So here's like a crazy hypothetical. Let's say that um, you had a society and in this society, you restricted people um, from, from entering a door. And that was like your one rule for the society. Let's say that walking through that door, if you do it, um, let's say that you, you fall off a cliff and you die. Um, in this society, let's say that people express like a like a discomfort, or they're not they they don't like the idea that they're not allowed to walk through the store, but they're never given a reason why. Which, which world would you argue is like more morally perfect? The world where people are allowed to walk through the door, um, and then they die, and not knowing what's beyond the door, or the world where nobody's allowed to, and their like freedoms are restricted there, and they're supposed to stand the other side and just not worry about it. This is kind of absurd, but. Well, I mean, I'd consider them both immoral because they both have restrictions. One is walking through the door and dying, whether or not you consent to it, and the other one is walking through the door. So I'd probably say the walking through the door and dying is more immoral. That's worse, but the walking through, the, but not being able to walk through the door is also immoral. It's just not as immoral as walking through the door and dying. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and if I were to ask you, um, let's say that you were given the opportunity to walk through the door, knowing that what was on the other side, you'd probably say people should be allowed to make that choice, right? Yes. And then if I were to ask you, what if these people had children, should they be allowed to walk through the door and die? You would argue, no, they shouldn't be allowed to. And it would seem like a contradiction, but you'd say, in reality, you're restricting the future freedoms of your children, so you shouldn't be allowed to do that because you'd be negatively impacting them, I'm guessing, right? Well, I'd say that the children have a cognitive restriction that is applied to them by nature where they don't mm -hmm. have the fact to really be able to make decisions like that. And so we mm -hmm. restrict them as, again, pragmatic nature but if they were born fully intelligent then yeah they should have you just tell them about it and they should oh, no i'm saying like if a, if a parent wanted to walk through the door leaving children behind you would say that they're they should be restricted here because it would adversely impact the children right uh no i would not say that i would say they should have the right to walk through the door like suicide i think that as an individual you should have the right to be able to kill yourself and not having that right would be immoral wait so how so if somebody had like three children and they were all living at home, you think that person should be able to just walk out and kill themselves? Yes, it would be immoral because they would be harming the children from the pragmatic limitations of this world. But yes, I think they should have that right. Even if they, um, what, if, what, if their, what if their killing of themselves would result like in the deaths of those children? Would that still be like, it'd still be a moral thing? Well, like it would just be immoral and moral or? It would be like the stoplight example, which we can force them to stop because it's going to harm others. 
mm-hmm. but it's still immoral to force them to stop. They should have the right to do it. Okay. Um, okay. I think that's like I think that's probably all the questions I have. All right. So, do you? How does it? How does my morality sound? Does it sound decent? Does it sound reasonable? Do you understand it? Does it make sense? Is it a good comparison mm-hmm. to other moralities? I mean, I, so personally, I'm 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 a moral anti-realist, which is already like a fringe position, kind of fringe. I think it's like a quarter of philosophers are moral anti-realists, and I don't read any fucking books or anything, so I wouldn't even be able to tell you their positions. Um, it, I, I guess, like the, the main problem that I have is it sounds like um, it it, it sounds like we've um, it sounds like we've kind of like jumped over like an isot thing. So we've kind of said that like most people on planet Earth seem to prefer to make choices. Um, so a world, the best of all possible worlds, would be a place where people can make those choices whatever choices they want um therefore i guess that's just a moral fact it, it feels like we've 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 like like we've taken these descriptions of people the is's um people tend to prefer to make choices people want to tr- choose the things that optimize their utility in whatever given way um therefore it ought to be good that people can make choices it feels like we that we just kind of did that i guess all right so my response to the is odd fact value distinction is that my model of morality is just is statement. So I say the, what is moral is a description of the best of all possible worlds. That's an is statement. There's no ought statement there. So when I describe morality, I'm saying we can rate people on a moral system or a world on a moral system in respect to the best of all possible worlds. Now, whether or not we ought to do it or we should be compelled to do it, I don't really address that. I'm just saying it's like richness. I can rate how rich you are on a scale based on how much money you had before and how much money you have now. And whether or not that's a good thing or whether or not you want to pursue richness, I don't really care about it because I'm just using it as a, as a standard. I can just measure you on it. So morality, I see, is the same kind of a thing. It's just a measurement system, not an ought system, not implied. But that's that's my minority position, kind of like Dan Dennett calls it a strange inversion of reasoning. I think we should get rid of the oughts complete, completely and just say morality is a set of is statements about what the world, ideal world should be like. I mean, I guess, but then uh, – well, I guess then it's not really – it's not really morality then, right? If it's just like a description of the world, like morality where we derive like odd statements from, you ought to do this particular thing or you should value this thing or you should act in this way, right? Well, right. Well, I think that's the kind of the problem is that most people anthropomorphize morality into a sense that we should ought to do things. And I'm a determinist. I don't think we have any free will or choices at all. So it makes absolutely no sense in that case. I would even agree with you that it's kind of a anti-cognitivist position that if we don't really have any true choices and we're all determined to do things then and you define morality based on choices and oughts in that way then it makes no sense but i think we can define morality as more of like a compatibilist position and say we have some range of choices and we can state all of these as is statements we don't need the ought there we can just say this is the ideal way the world could be or like just like this is the ideal way a triangle could be and Uh we can say our world this far away from that and we can rate it on a system and then that's just morality we don't need the oughts in there it's kind of an unnecessary thing from my viewpoint yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think I disagree with you at all. But I mean, um, I, I guess I got so like my position that I call myself um, is my meme cringe shit is uh, it's called descriptive egoism. So basically, like everybody has some set of preferences that they seek to, to fulfill. Um, if you want to go a step further, you you have something called ethical egoism, which says we ought to fulfill our desires, which is even more vacuous than the prior thing, because obviously, everybody is always trying to fulfill their desires. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I just recognize it as that. Um, but it sounds like if I just called that morality, I'm pretty close to what your position is, that the best of all possible worlds is a world where everybody can kind of maximize their own personal, I guess, choices. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I just wouldn't, I, I don't know if it's like a semantic distinction or whatever, I guess I just wouldn't call that morality because it seems like most people have like a different idea of what morality is, that it implies either something immaterial or or some sort of ought statement that we can command people to do or whatever. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Most people's idea of morality is, comes from like the, being grounded in a god or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my main intentions is that I don't think we should grant that. I don't think that – I think that atheists should try and make an argument that, yeah, we can have an objective morality. We don't need a god for that. There's plenty of ways to do that. So why are we granting that morality has to be this, some kind of supernatural thing? Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm saying, no, we don't need that. We can still have objective morality, and here's one of the ways to do it. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. If, I think we pretty much understand each other. Yeah, I think so. Um, you're muted, but you look like whatever you're saying. You're real happy to say it. You always look happy though. So. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Point. Yes, we. I was muted. And I'm thrilled to be back. This has been really enjoyable. Uh, so with that, we will go to the Q&A. Thanks so much, everybody, for your questions. Uh, stoked to ask these. And we've got a good mix. So first up, uh, reading off the Super Chats, I forgot to mention at the start, uh, we'll read the Super Chats off. We put them at the top of the list. You can make a comment as well. Stephen Steen, thanks for your Super Chat. He says, anyone notice James made me the lover and spouse of the character he put his face on in the thumbnail? subconscious desires that's pretty funny and sick but yeah steven Steen, thanks for that super chat and i it's actually kind of a little bit i'm a little hey, uncomfortable Steve, he was talking with you the entire time when i was down there in milwaukee he's non-stop always about you i do talk about steven a lot he's a benevolent troll i like him so i'm sorry wilson thanks for your super chat he said james 15 years of oh world of war world of warcraft Give your best Leroy Jenkins. I don't. I wish I knew who that is. I'm embarrassed to say I'm so behind on uh, gaming that I don't know who. Do you guys know who Leroy Jenkins is? Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Is it, was that to us or was that to your audience? Sorry. Uh, I think. Well, yeah, I, asking you and Tom. Yeah, it's like a meme. You want it, You go for it. Go for it. Yeah, it's just it's a meme from World of Warcraft. Some guy basically gets his whole party killed being an idiot. Wait, are they calling me Leroy Jenkins? Okay, so next up, thanks for that super chat. Legs Rider, thanks for subscribing. Saw you join. Glad to have you here. Parker C, stoked to have you. Thanks for subscribing as well. And anybody, if I missed you, we're glad to have you here, no matter what your view is. Tyler Durden, thanks for your question. They ask, for Tom, please demonstrate a moral, quote-unquote, truth demonstrate that it's true not that lots of people agree with the statement i can't demonstrate this too right now it's something we don't have scientific access to evaluate so i'm just making judgments based off of the best evidence we have which is moral intuition moral progress so i can't demonstrate it if i could we wouldn't be debating it it would just be science you got it thanks so much uh walter white thanks for your question he says would you agree that because humans are social animals evolution thus selects for individuals who are able to cooperate in large groups and that is a kind of objective morality um yes and no i mean when people use the term objective especially in the context of like theist atheist hold on one second okay when they say objective, they mean it exists independent of our opinions, including our minds, which are a result of evolution. So when you use objective in the sense that it's independent of thought or opinion, then it wouldn't qualify as objective when you're using objective in that way. You got it. All right. And uh, I think it might be applicable to destiny as well. While he's away, it gives me a chance. I've, I've been trying to promote this. I had like it's every time 
every time I've tried to promote this, something about it screwed up. So I want to mention really quick, we have basically gotten a Patreon, and I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a screenshot of our Patreon right now. Basically, this is the second tier of our Patreon. The first one is two dollars. I know a lot of people really want to see this channel succeed, and we appreciate it so much. You guys, honestly, I love you guys. Even if you're not in Patreon, we only have one. But even if you never do Patreon, just want to let you know we appreciate you so much. Uh, like I, uh, you know, we had that stickiness with the audio for a couple weeks, and you guys have been so loyal in staying here and i'm just like oh thank you so much for your patience and grace but uh do want to mention a lot of people you a lot of you have been so uh supportive of the channel i know you wanted to see it succeed and so this is a way that you can help contribute to the channel as patreon basically we have the two dollar tier is the first one and then we are kind of looking for like what types of rewards would people really enjoy on patreon because we want it we want you to kind of have the steering wheel on that like Frankly, I want to conform to whatever you guys think is cool as a possible like reward or payback for your help on Patreon. Uh, as of now, one thing we thought of that we were like, hope, oh, I hope that's helpful, is general admission level, which is like five bucks a month. And that basically will give you Q&A priority. So immediately after the super chats are read, so like right now, we would read one of your questions that you would post on Patreon. And we would read it and say, hey, this is from our uh, general admission tier. And then basically, uh, however many people are on there, we'll read through all of them. And that way, I just know that sometimes people are like, oh, man, like, you know, I don't do the Super Chats very often. And this is a way that you could just do five bucks and you can have one of the, you know, first questions up there on the list each debate for just five bucks a month, which is like, you know, Stephen Steen gave a, a five, you know, like a, you can give a five dollar Super Chat in a single debate or $5 within a month, and then you'll be one of the top questions for each discussion point. So we're excited about that. Uh, with that, we are considering, like, I do want to know if you guys have opinions. I'm checking out the live chat, keeping an eye for what you guys are thinking. What, like, what would be valuable? Would you guys, like, appreciate, like, audio, like, MP3s of the debate? Would you find other things more valuable to you or helpful to you? We have considered doing a podcast and and putting them all on Podbean, but we're kind of like, well, yeah, maybe I don't know if people would actually use it. We've considered a, like a live Q and A session where people could ask questions like, "Hey, how do you use the software?" or "What do you? What's your opinion on this?" Because we try, I try to keep my opinion secret, in a sense, uh, at least during the debates, all that sorts of stuff, and. Tioga Art, thanks for your super chat. They said, this theory talk is great. Thanks. Have a good day. Stoked that you've enjoyed it. That's really appreciate that feedback, Tioga Art. And Destiny, now that we got you back. Sorry, yeah, that... I'm here. Oh, totally cool. I hope everything's okay. It's uh, Basically, I can read this question for you, and you can have a chance to respond to it as well. Mm -hmm. So the question was, just to give you a refresher, would you agree that because humans are social animals... Evolution selects for individuals who are able to cooperate in large groups and that this is kind of objective morality. I mean, if, if I mean, like, my problem is it feels very semantic. Like, usually when I think of morality, I think of ought statements, like we ought to do something. Like, descriptively or normatively, it seems like 
probably being able to participate in groups gives you a higher chance to like pass on your genes. So that's probably like good in, in reference to like whether or not your genes survive, but I don't know if that makes it morally good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, like I wouldn't call that morality, but I mean, I guess you could if you really wanted to. I, I just, I don't, it doesn't seem to, con to conform to any definition of morality that I'm aware of. Gotcha. And just had a, I'm sorry, Wilson send a super chat in. He asked for both. Is stealing a safe moral? I mean, it, that safe. depends on a whole. I mean, like if you steal a safe full of food to feed a bunch of starving children, probably. If you steal a safe because you're just trying to get rich, then probably not. Uh, it can be moral and it cannot be moral. Depends on the situation. Yeah. Like for example, uh, maybe you're stealing a safe in a like a a game or something and you're supposed to do it because it's part of the game like sure why not gotcha thanks so much and i'm sorry wilson uh thanks for your he said can either of you do uh can either tom or destiny do a an impression of leroy jenkins no i'm okay <laughs> tom you want to try I'm I'm gonna go with Destiny on this one. Okay, thanks for that. Tioga Art, thanks for your super chat. Just came in. They uh, asked, "Can we define quote ought statements and axioms, please?" Um, I, I well, I mean, like, uh, I guess an axiom is like a foundational statement that kind of stands on its own without justification. Um, I, there might be like a more formal definition of that. Um, and then ought statements are like um a, a statement that we would consider. Um, like morally virtuous, I guess, or something that kind of like conforms to something that we consider virtuous. So like you ought to um, be kind to people, you ought to help the poor, you ought not to murder or something like that. Gotcha. I'd agree, I'd agree with both those. Excellent. Thanks so much. Next up, Cardamom Coffee. Thanks for your, your question. They asked, would you agree that because humans are social Oh, sorry. I oh, I was reading the wrong one. Does T Jump think bestiality is moral or immoral? And if T Jump one day committed, <laughs> sorry, I'm immature. If if Tom Jump one day committed bestiality, would he be moral or immoral if he did it? Do you have scientific proof for morality? Well, I'd say uh, animals are kind of like children. They don't have the intellectual capability to consent. So if animals eventually develop the intellectual capability, then they'd be like aliens, and there'd be nothing wrong with alien sex at all as long as they have the ability to consent. You bet. Thanks so much. Praise I am that I am. Thanks for your question. He said, uh, question to Destiny is, my question to Disney is, if are, are rocks moral? If not, doesn't that demonstrate the ontology of morals cannot be contingent on space, time, or matter? No, it could just say that there is no such thing as morality at all. Um, I mean, like, so, like, I'm not, I don't believe in the immaterial at all, so if something isn't, like, space, time, or matter, then I don't think that it exists. Or if it does exist, I don't think we can have knowledge of it. Gotcha. Thanks so much. Next up, 20 faces. I saw you in the super uh, in the uh, chats. Forgive me. I'm looking for your question, man. I'm, for some reason, I can't find it, but I'll keep looking. But in the meantime, Puffalovigus, thanks for your question. This is for Tom. What of that? What of that person? What if that person was killed by the Rock? Did want to die, i.e., they were on the way to commit suicide. Would the Rock-based death still be immoral? 
No, then it would probably be moral because the, the universe has helped them out in that way. Gotcha. Thanks for that. And next up, Stanislas Belongo. Thanks for your question. For Tom Jump. We need more for Destiny. We're going to usher uh, questions for Destiny to the front of the line. The next one's for Destiny, but just looking for more. Uh, they asked for Tom, do you personally value other people being able to choose in which world they live in? And if so, why? Yes, because I this is my view of morality, so I value it intrinsically, and so I think they should have that, and so I value their right to have that. You got it. Thanks so much. Next up, Stanislas Bilongo. Thanks for your question, and this is for Destiny. He asks, have you heard of Rem's analogy of non-cognitivism? And if so, what do you think about it? Um, no, but... um. I, I mean, Rem is, <laughs> I think this is a troll donation. Uh, Rem is a friend of mine, but I'm pretty sure he's a moral realist. So, I mean, he probably made an analogy saying non-cognitivists are dumb. I would be my imagination, but I'm not sure. Gotcha. Okay. Next up, we have a, another question for surprise Tom. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I always try to wonder, I'm like, is it because they're like trying to learn more about it? Or is it because they vehemently oppose the person? But ask Tom Jump where he objectively draws the line of who has the ability to consent? Uh, like an age group? I have no idea. I'd kind of leave that up to biology and science. I don't really know. I just go with the legal definition because that's all I really have the qualifications to say. Gotcha. And with that, we have actually run out of questions. That's, that's, uh, we appreciate everybody's questions, and I think this is good because you can kind of try to respect the debater's time. I know they've got a lot to do. So we want to... He said, uh, Genius Tracks just sent one in, though. He said, just wanted you to tell both guys for me that this discussion was a great display of intellectual honesty as opposed to trying to win or something. Really nice. So hopefully, and I would Thanks. say, yeah, you guys, if I can give you guys kudos as well, I really enjoyed this because you guys are, you're just like, well, let's like sift through the issues, which as you know, it's very clear that you guys are seasoned debaters because sometimes people get in and they're like, I am desperate to show that you are wrong and it's they get emotionally heated. But Brian Stevens, thanks for your super chat. He asks, who has more moral Vash or Millions Knives? Who is more moral, Vash or Millions Knives? These are anime characters. I don't even think I've watched all of Trigon, so I'm not even sure. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Thank you very I like much. Vash. I'm going with Vash. Yeah. Man, I okay. So I go thank with you Vash. For that. I mean, he's the good guy, right? So I guess. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> kind a good of tautological though, but okay. <laughs> and yeah. Got it. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate it. I want to let everybody know we appreciate you being here. It's honestly a joy, and especially thanks to the debaters as uh, they've come on here, and it's always been a blast to have both of them. Not only are there links in the border, as you can see, right next to their name, you can type YouTube com slash t jump or destiny but you can also just click their links in the description and i will be adding i think i just remembered right now i will be adding the other social media so tom's on twitter and then destiny of course is on twitch so i will be adding those links as well in just a moment so with that gentlemen thanks again for coming on any last words before we say goodbye uh, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for Destiny for coming on and having the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
Absolutely. Take care, everybody. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. We'll see you next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.